but I think that on the whole, lots of people, they don't maximise the quality in their life because they are not compartmentalising their time and what they do with it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Goals Do Come True with me, Doug Bennett. Today, I am joined by Alison Edgar, MBE. Now, Alison has written a pretty special book called Smash It, which I bought last year because she was going to come on my show last year. And circumstances dictated that we spent most of the time on holiday because the world had reopened and and we couldn't get it back in the diary. So, So here we are now, which is good news, but let me tell you a little bit about her. She's an expert in improving performance inside organizations. Now, throughout Alison's years of advising small businesses, she has analyzed the important factors that make them successful. She takes these lessons and applies them to big business, enhancing motivation, communication, and agility. She is known both for her practical tools that teams can implement immediately and for the groundbreaking and lasting impact she has on audiences. She also has big balls, and she's going to tell us a little bit about those. I thought I'd throw that in there at this stage just to keep you hanging on. Alison, Thank you very much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on board. I've been watching you, stalking you on the sidelines, seeing all the great things that you're doing. And I loved your book. And actually, I think if you read my book, Think Simple, Win Big, you'll see that we're actually a lot closer in our thought processes than, well, than I could believe because there was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, as I was going through her book. But anyway, Alison, it's all about you, not about me. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your big balls, goals and goal setting. Well, thank you for having me on. That's my new bio you've read out. So that's the first time I've heard the new bio be read. So thank you so much. Yeah, Alison Edgar's Big Balls. So one of the things, it's interesting when you talk about books because I've written two books, but I've never really read any books on business or personal development. So they're all kind of based on what I actually do. But of course, I will now read your book, Doug. Don't worry. I'll have you looking for the similarities. So one of the things that I think for me is how I manage my time, what I do with my time, because if COVID just taught us one massive lesson is how important the time that we've got on the planet actually is and why it's so important to maximise it. And I don't mean that we should be running around like headless chickens. In fact, more so the fact that we shouldn't be doing that. But I think that on the whole, lots of people, they don't maximise the quality in their life because they are not compartmentalising their time and what they do with it. Also, if you look at communication with other people, it can lead to trauma, can't it? You know, if there's something going on and you're not getting on with somebody or even on Facebook and you watch that sort of stuff unfold and reality TV and and, and just that, uh, to me, that, that sort of grates on my nerves. And a lot of that comes because of the prioritising of time. So somebody else, again, so say 
lateness, one of the things I can't stand is people being late, right? So to me, that if we say, you know, 11.30, 11.30 means 11.30, whereas we've all got friends that pitch up at 11.40 or 12 o'clock and they don't tell you. And, you know, they're, they're, that's how the communication and relationships break down. So I came across this thing called the Eisenhower Quadrant, right? And you you will know the Eisenhower. And anybody that's studied psychology or anything in leadership, but don't forget, I hadn't really done that. It's just, what do I do and how do I manage my time? And I'm looking at the urgent, important, not important, not urgent, important. And I'm like, oh, I don't get that. I just, I, honestly, I, I was like, I just don't get that. And how can I tell somebody, this is my urgent, important. And I thought, you know what? It's all balls. It's basketballs, tennis balls, and ping pong balls, isn't it? So if you like, have got something that's really important to you, that a basketball in the face is really sore. And that's what happens when we don't do that task or we procrastinate or we, you know, we ostrich or we don't tell people bad news or that kind of stuff. And that's where if you look, us being on a call at 11.30, our basketballs were aligned, Doug. But if I had pitched up and I was 10 minutes late, I was treating your basketball as a ping pong ball. So that's where rather than having like linear to-do lists where, where everything's just got the same priority level, actually, if you've got something that you need to do, do the basketballs first, then the tennis balls, then the ping pong balls, because then if you manage the balls in order, you're not firefighting with your life or your communication. So that's how Alison Edgar's Big Balls came about. And it's interesting because off air, you were talking about your new trademark, the goals guy, register trademark. So I have, I have trademarked Big Balls and I've done a few of my trademarks myself, but smash it. I've got the trademark for that. Big Balls, I've got the trademark for that. And the juggling method, I've got the trademark for that. And they were quite hard. Well, I couldn't get my head around getting them. So I employed a, a lawyer to do that. And he said, oh, Alison, I'm going to have to go and put through them, you know, the, all the paperwork. Big Balls, what have you done for me? And I'm like, yeah, but everybody needs Alison Edgar's Big Balls to be able to manage their time. So that's what that's all about. That's excellent. It's a big twist on the professor standing in front of his class with the jar and the rocks and the pebbles and the sand and the beer. Yeah. And do you know what's interesting? So I had watched that, the Stephen Covey thing. I had watched one of those YouTube videos and I thought, oh, I really quite like that. And it works for time, doesn't it? It works mm -hmm. for time because you know your time's a commodity and I've still got time for it. But it didn't do was anything for communication with other people. Mm-hmm and how they treat your basketball as a tennis ball or a ping pong ball. And I thought, this is really easy. And again, you know, think simple. That's one of the things I love about you. Think simple. And I'm like, this is so simple. Somebody must have done this before that, you know, this somebody must have done something with this. And no, I couldn't find anything. So I, again, I just kept it really simple. And now I tell you what is, is really interesting. I have got, people like I'll, I'll literally be somewhere and I'll meet someone that I've never met before and they'll like oh Alison I can't believe you're here I'm using your balls to you know to manage my time better or get on with people and I've got this lady called Sue Reed and she's got a training company so I've, I've still got a training company but honestly most of my time now is speaking at larger events so it's not really doing a day's training and she said look would you mind if I use your balls to to train the teams because she's working with a lot in the sort of timber industry and DIY. 
Anyway, I get emails from her all the time now. And she said, look, this is one organisation that have been really using your balls theory. And actually they've put an extra, I think it's another 1.75 million on the top line using your theory of the big balls. And I'm like, what? That's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that we do, right? We rock up and do our thing, come up with an idea, share it out there in the world, but it's the ripple effect of it over, you know, over time where it makes a difference. And that's where the joy is. That's the joy for me is, you know, I I saw you going all very excited about that. I mean, you know, you're not even getting a share of the 1.75 million. That's not not why I did it. And I think you, you just used a really important phrase there, you know, over time. And I think that one of my biggest lessons that I've learned in life, yeah, I'd say in life since, and and, and it's really epitomised it since I started the business and wrote the books, I wanted everything yesterday. I wanted everything to happen within like five minutes. And it's not, you know, the book came out in, well, that was last year. So what was that? 2020. But I had started- 2021. 2021. Again, I'm like, I'm losing, <laughs> losing track of time. 2021. And I wanted that set. I want everything to everything to happen then. And I think, you know, coming back to goals, because, you know, you're the goals guy that a lot of the time, my sort of smart goals are like now or like five minutes or five weeks or, and I think, for me, for my goals, I've got massive goals, as you know, like the, you know, even now with the MBE, the books, I've just recorded a TV show for Amazon Prime, another one for ITV with Martin Roberts. So these are always been sort of my goals. But what I've had to do is really focus on being patient. So the goal never changed, but actually the time frame in the SMART objective did change. And it didn't mean that I gave up on any of the goals. I just think the timeframes weren't realistic and it was really frustrating me. And I think that's where the difference, again, for for me, again, is I have got a growth mindset, so I don't give up on the goal. A lot of people, when it doesn't happen within that time period, would have given up on the goal. Whereas I know that the world is going to be talking about Alison Edgar's big balls, the juggling method, basketballs, tennis balls, ping pong balls. Because if you look at somebody like Stephen Coffey, when we associate rocks in the jar, well, that didn't happen for five minutes. And and now the man, you know, unfortunately isn't even on the planet. And we're still talking about that kind of stuff. So I think it is is patience is probably the biggest lesson I've ever learned in my whole life. <laughs> patience. Yeah, I'm like fairly relaxed about things. Seriously. Um, yeah, it'll it'll work. It'll come. It'll happen. Yeah, I'm not. And I do, I sort of do analyse myself as like, why am I not patient for this? And I do think there is a a reason. I'm not sure, you know, that somebody out there that's probably more of an expert in psychology probably has got a better reason for this. But I didn't start my business until I was 46. Mm-hmm. And I, I was on a call with a client prior to our call, Doug, and I was put on the spot a wee bit. They said, why did you not start your business till you were 46? And I think this is quite controversial. They didn't think it was, but I had my children. So I worked full time in corporate. I'd worked for BT, I worked for Dow Egberts, I worked for Yale. And then I had my kids when I was 32 and 34. So they're, you know, they're quite close in age. And 
I then worked part-time two days a week and had the kids three days a week. So I I personally could not have been a full-time mum. And that I'm not saying there's any right or wrong, but everybody's got their path that they take. It wouldn't have worked for me. I like to have that balance. But I also couldn't have gone back to work full-time. So to me, I felt I'd found the perfect balance for me. Again, for me, everybody's different. And it was only when the kids went to high school, I was then 46, and I felt this is now my time to shine. This is me. I've got my opportunity to do, set my goals for me and and do the things I want to do for me, which ultimately helps other people. But that's, it was my goals. And I think that that's why I do feel like I'm in a rush because I'm 54 now and a lot of the years that I could have, should have, would have done things that I wanted to do, I didn't. I put all my dreams and goals on hold mm. to create that big goal of having two children that are my legacy. That's ultimately that. And I've got two brilliant, you know, I, I don't mean brilliant boys, like as in their dream, as in their Einstein. Mm-hmm. They're, they're clever. They're clever boys, but they're great boys. You know, mm-hmm. they love their mum. They phone their mum. They communicate with me and they are independently living their own lives. To me, that's like one of my biggest goals is to rear two amazing boys. But, you know, when you're then at 54, you don't know how much is left going forward. There's more under the bridge than there is over the bridge. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think my lack of patience comes from because I want everything yesterday because I know that what I do helps so many people, but you just don't know how much time you've got to help them when you start your business and write your books at 50, if that makes sense. So Uh, that's where the lack of patience comes from. It's like, damn it, I don't know how much time I've got left. I've got to make every minute count. Yes, I'm with you on that, except I'm 59 and I wrote my books two years ago. So, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, I've had a reasonably successful financial services career and I'm still in that a little bit. But, you know, this doing podcasts, meeting great people and pulling their message out of them to put it out into the world, sharing my books. I'm now doing a bit of coaching myself, which I really do love because I can see it making a difference to people. And, you know, there's certain aspects of of what I'm doing that I think, do you know what? I'd love to be able to leave that behind now. You know, I've done it for enough, mm-hmm. but I've I've got to keep that a bit quiet for the minute because I haven't discussed it with my team yet. Not that it will affect them just in case they're listening. <laughs> but, but I think it's, but, it's interesting because you feel that that's why I sort of push so hard. You, you know, you started off by saying I've been watching from the sidelines. And, you know, there's a lot of people who follow me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people who follow me on socials. There's a lot of people who've seen me live at like the business show or the the big events. And they do, like they celebrate the journey. So for me, I think it's, that's what drives me forward. That's what keeps you going at that pace to help as many people as you can. So I think that's, we have to take one for the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how big is your team now? So I have got two in my team. Well, th- three if you count the other one. So yeah, the other one is actually my son. So that's uh, I wasn't like oh, the other one. <laughs> my son does some work for us while he's at university. The other mm-hmm. one, but I've got Jazz and I've got Rebecca. So they Rebecca's been with me for four years. So she pretty much runs all things operations, all things content. Jazz is doing all things social media, all things marketing. I do all the you know delivery. I do all the sales calls. You know we've 
we've got quite a nice slick little system that we work so and it, and it's great and then you know we try and raise the profile because that's one of the things if people don't know who you are they can't help you so that's why you know doing the stuff for the BBC breakfast BBC news the podcasts and things like that really helps to grow the profile okay so how do you get into the BBC then I guess you just asked. No, well, I, that's I, I, what you do. I right? do, I do ask. I do, I do. But I tell you, you know, and this is another thing that I think sometimes you kind of just need a break, right? And I'm not saying it's luck, because I, I genuinely don't believe in luck. But how the first part of TV came around. So I'd done local radio. So I had like, basically, yes, I did ask. So I knew that they were coming up. So say it was Small Business Saturday or whatever. I knew they would want to call me in. I was like the one of the champions of whatever it was. You're covering this topic. We'd love to be a comment. Can you come into the studio? Yeah, take the box. So something regional is quite easy. You know, they're always looking for stories regionally. But what happened was... And again, another thing I think is really good at raising your profile is going for rewards, entering yourself into competitions, business competitions, or just entering, being in an award. Because the reason for that is awards events get good coverage from PR. So if there's good coverage from PR, it's going to be online. And what happened was I won Mentor of the Year for the Trinity Mirror Group, the newspaper group in the Southwest And then the researchers from the BBC were coming to Bristol and they were looking for a businesswoman to talk with Steph McGovern. So they just Googled businesswoman or award-winning businesswoman or whatever, Bristol, and up pops Alison Edgar. So it's not just about keeping your profile high at events and it's just making sure, like when when you Google me, you get about five pages of me of stuff that I've done. So you can't avoid it. And I think that's where growing your profile if you genuinely believe that what you do helps other people, it's your job to keep getting your profile as high as you can. And even from a pricing perspective, you know, when you look at the, the business now, like through the training company, the reason I don't do the training company, the yield for my time isn't as high. So I, I have to do a lot of hours to make the same amount of money that I would speaking at an event. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like making yourself a commodity. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm the sought after commodity. And I've got a friend, Guy. So I've got some little like supporters that support me. And Guy is got a talent. He's a talent agent, but for DJs. So like things like Scott Mills or Grimmy or any, he's got Ministry of Sound. So he's very big in the, the DJ world as an agent. And I keep trying to chav him in. Doug, I'm like, can you not introduce me to somebody? He's like, no. Nah. And I'm like, oh, God, why not? I think I'm really good at what I do. He said, but you are really good. I really believe in you. But I tell you what, Alison, when you really start to grow your profile, you've really found your art, you're, you know, you're in your flow, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. They will come and they will find you. They will find you. These people keep going, keep growing the profile, keep just being you. And they'll come to you. So what happened was I got a message on Instagram, again, through connections, but I'd been sort of following them on socials to come and film the show for Amazon Prime. So I did that. And then when it came to Martin Roberts' new show, well, I'd met Martin many years ago through a mutual friend who used to be in TV. He now has got networking events. And again, I I believe it's all about giving your time, Mm. giving your support, giving your help. 
And that's what I did. And then literally we got a call on Wednesday. Can you come and film with for Martin as the business advisor on Martin Roberts' new TV show for ITV? Yeah, no problem. See you then. And again, that's, do you know what I mean? But you've got to just keep growing that momentum. And I think, again, it comes back to goal setting. So many people haven't set a goal. They don't know why they want that goal. And then when things don't happen, they go, ah, well, it wasn't really for me. And then they go on and do something different. I, I think I am laser focused on my goals. And like I said before, I just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going and just move the time frame back. But I have no doubt in what I want for my life. Do you write these goals down or are they in an app somewhere? Have you hidden behind the virtual background? Is there a whiteboard with them all written on? So two things, because I'm dyslexic, I can't write them down because that means nothing to me. I'm a visual learner. Okay. So what we do, like we've got it, we've got the Smash It app. There's a, an app that goes with Smash It, the book. And in there, we teach people to use Canva. So I've got a Canva of the goals. And again, it's not just business goals. I talk about the bank of cash, the bank of give back and the bank of faffing around. So that will include things like holidays or any purchases that I want to make and also business goals. But actually this is, and I think this is another thing that... Because I get asked all the time, oh my God, you're so focused on your goals and you just smash them all the time. How do you do that? I don't even have to have them on the Canva. I literally just shut my eyes and I can see my goals in front of me. That's how ingrained they are to how I live my life. And when I'm, I'm like, maybe, maybe I didn't win a gig or maybe something happened and it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. I just literally shut myself in a room, shut my eyes look at the goals and that's me, re-energises me and go, right, I've got to do that because people need me and that brings me back up again. So it's a visualisation, is there? All the time for me. But again, because of the dyslexia, that's how I learn. I think it depends on the type of learner you are, how you Mm -hmm. create those goals. Hello, I hope you don't mind me interrupting this episode. Just wanted to tell you about one of my other businesses, which is DB Wealth Planning and Preservation. We do cash flow modeling, lifestyle financial planning, and wills and trusts. So if that's something that's on your agenda, if you want to see what your future looks like well ahead of the game, then pop over to my website, dbwpp.co.uk, and we'll help you create your future and protect your assets. So that's dbwpp.co.uk. Anyway, let's go back to the podcast. And that's that's the really great thing about this. I meet all sorts of people and they're, you know, they're invariably when I talk to them and delve a little bit deeper, there's there's a challenge. There's always a challenge. And then dyslexia will be a challenge. You know, and I've got to be careful how I put this, but you know, it's like so the normal way of writing things down doesn't work for you. So you have to find a solution. Yeah. And that's it. But it's not stopped you. No, and I think, again, that comes back to mindset because I think it did stop me before I used it as an excuse. I used it as a crutch. And then I think, you know, I think writing the book was the day that, because the team used to come in and this is the team, like Rebecca's been there for four years. So this must have been six years ago. I don't know when when I wrote the first one. And they would go, I'm going to write a blog. And they were great. They can write as me. Like my team can literally, because they can write with a Scottish accent, bizarrely <laughs> enough, because they spend a lot of time with me. I'm going to write a blog. I'm going to... And I'm like, crackle, crackle. And then one day I just went, stop. 
who's telling me that I can't write? So I think that that's where that that strength and and making that change because, and it comes back to having a growth mindset, really, doesn't it? And and that's something that I think I've always had a fairly growth mindset. I think I can be quite stubborn and that's where I've moved back into fix. But I didn't even know, like, Doug, this is what I mean, that I didn't study any of this stuff. So the terms fixed and growth mindset were fairly new to me up until I wrote the first book. And what happened was on Facebook, somebody put this comment up about something and they said, oh, don't worry, Betty, they've got a fixed mindset. And I went, oh, I wonder what that is. And that's when I'd watch a YouTube video or I'd read something about it and go, oh, oh, that makes sense now. That's how that works. And again, that's just sort of my learning style. I'd rather watch a YouTube video to be able to digest it and remember it than if I read an article or a piece of paper, it evaporates. I can't remember. So, yeah. No, I like that. The fixed mindset and and the growth mindset is is a relatively new thing for me. I've been reading an awful lot. I've privileged enough that I've got a nice swim spa in the garden and, you know, the temperature's at the right level and, you know, I can sit there with a can of something and just read to my heart's content. You're meant to so be I, swimming, Doug. You've missed the component there. It's not a spa, I, I, it's a swim <laughs> spa. You're meant to be giving it there. You're Woo! right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and yes, it's a good point. Very well made. But hey, I've read a lot in <laughs> in there. And and the growth mindset, and it is simple. Mm-hmm. That that wow. Just those well, no, no. It, <laughs> To decide where you want to be, yeah. it's a simple choice. Yeah, that you know you can either stick with your fixed mindset, or you can decide that you want to have a growth mindset. Mm. Now, mm. that's one decision. And once you decide that, well, then the work starts, obviously. But it's making the decision sometimes that you, you want to be different. Yeah. And I think this is where, I mean, that definitely was what happened with me with the writing and it wasn't an easy journey. I tried every cut in every corner. Oh, I could narrate it into a dictaphone and send it off and somebody could write it for me. I had even had a ghostwriter, right, Doug? I paid thousands of pounds for a ghostwriter and the, the, the manuscript came back and I was like, that doesn't sound like me. My team read it and they're like, that just doesn't sound like you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> for me, for me, what am I going to do? And they're like, you could try writing it yourself. I can't write for me. And then that, that's when that switch came and it, like, it didn't matter. what. So I'm just going to do the edits at the back end of it anyway. So it doesn't matter whether the writing's not great and I don't know how to spell and I don't know much about grammar. That's okay. Somebody can fix that. But what, the main thing is the content is between my ears and pretty much I'm the only person that can get that content out. There's nobody apart from me that can deliver that message the way that I'm going to deliver for it so it was my again it was my my job and my duty and I think that's where you know with the mindset side I would say I come from working class just outside Glasgow and at that time the shipyards were all shutting down and people were losing their jobs and again you know you just you never know what's ahead of you and you know focusing on all the negatives and this isn't happening and that's not happening and my dad got made redundant he was a draftsman on the shipyards when all the redundancies were happening and he was a, a draftsman on the boards, like the, mm-hmm. the, the you know, can't remember, engineering drawing boards with mm-hmm. the rubbers and that kind of stuff. And they pretty much, everybody in their 50s got made redundant because AutoCAD had come in. 
And my dad had a choice, you know, and looking back at it now, the choice that my dad made was definitely through a growth mindset. He went back to college as a student in his 50s to learn AutoCAD. And then he moved into contracting and the young guys could only do AutoCAD. The old guys could only do the board and my dad could do both. So he became one of the most sought after contractors in Scotland and the north of England. And that was a true sign of having a growth mindset. But again, I wouldn't have known what that was. So I think it's probably like father, like daughter, that that's in, you know, probably in our genes that we're quite hardy, you know, we're quite Mm -hmm. tenacious. Mm -hmm. You know, I call it the chumba wumba. I get knocked down, but I get up again. (laughs) Because I don't think it's possible not to get knocked down, but it's how you deal with things when they don't go according to plan shows that resilience and tenacity and and gets you where you want to go. And do you think that is in people and you've either got it or you haven't, or can it be developed? Because, you know, developed. well, I'm so pleased to hear that. I mean, I, I haven't got a problem with it, but what, you know, what would concern me is, you know, if, if it wasn't something that could be developed and it's like you've either got it or you haven't and and that would be a shame so I think it comes to education. Back that up. Yeah, I'd say I think it comes to education, right? So you have to understand how it works, right? So that's the sort of psychology part. You have to understand things like metathesiophobia, the fear of change, our brain's there to protect us. So anytime something's happening, so that again, you're either going to go with change or you're going to, you know, you're going to fight the change. And I think that's where that fixed mindset. And it's a wee bit like the Kubler-Ross stuff, isn't it? It's like the, the grief. So first First of all, if you're losing your job, it's that disbelief and then you're angry and then, you, you know, you've got to come back down to like rock bottom so that you can come back up and, and then be ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where so many people, they just sit in anger, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Like, and they're just sitting there. They've never really got there and they might or they might have get to rock bottom, but then they're always looking for somebody to blame. Oh, it's the management's fault. Oh, it's this fault. It's that fault. Somebody else's fault. And that's okay because they're then they're focusing on the things that they can't control because you can't control how the management react. You can't control the fact you've lost your job. You, that's all gone. What you can do is go, right, okay, I've got a choice now. I can either think, right, this is me. I'm going to move forward. I can get a new job. I can retrain. I'm not too old. I can make things happen. I can hit my goals. And then it's just a case of the negatives will creep in. But you've got to go, right, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you, right? Maybe I am 54. Maybe I can't run, you know, maybe I can't. But what I can do is I can train every day to get better and get the things and get the goals that I want. So you can train it. You just... You have to have a bit of knowledge, is what I'd say. It's like your driving test. You didn't go out there and get in a car and that's you. You're, you know, I was going to say Sterling Moss. I'm showing my age now. Max Verstappen or whatever it is, you know. You had to have a lesson to learn how to do it. You had to have a formula. You know, you have to know how to change the gears. You have to have a manual. And that's when, again, books like yours, books like mine, that the stuff that we teach is not new. It's not rocket science. We might have taken our own spin on it, like Alison Edgar's Big Balls is a spin off the Eisenhower quadrant mm. and maybe people can relate to that more because it's a wee bit more contemporary but there's nothing new out there everything that you want is open source now really if you really wanted to change how you think or make your life be more successful then you could google it or youtube it that, that that's all there but you have to want to take that action to make it happen it's not about knowing the knowledge it's actually you know don't just talk the talk walk the walk and I think that's where 
again, people do like to follow me because they see me every day that I'm walking the walk. And it's not like I talk about bringing your e-game. And honestly, like some of my days, my e-game is getting out my pyjamas, like, literally. Oh my God, I'm actually in my pyjamas today. <laughs> but that's the best I could do that day. Whereas other times I'm climbing Mount Snowden or I've already been at the gym this morning. Me I don't go to the me gym too. tonight. So I was like, what? Oh, oh, you beat me. You beat well, me. I've booked, I've, I've, booked, I've booked in another wee class because it was a wee short half an hour. But, oh. you know, some people, again, gym change, whether it's their mental health or their physical. I, I, actually, that was a bit harsh. I don't mean mental health, but mental attitude. Because again, in my book, I talk about having postnatal depression and I really was through the floor. But that was through, I've just had a child and there was a chemical imbalance. Mm. So again, there's a difference between something that you can fix yourself and things you need help with. And I think that's where if you do ever think that you are needing help, then reach out for help because, you know, that's a very difficult area that I don't specialise in. So I'm not saying pull yourself together. You need to know where you're at with this and be able to take specialist help when you actually need it. And the specialist help is there. But also the help that we can do is there because we're not we're not specialists. I mean, I'm going to say that we're generalists. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that I'm a generalist. You yeah. know, we're generally going to push you in the right direction to achieve stuff, mm. which is you know all we can do. You know, you can follow us and see you know where we've come from and what we've achieved and that, you know, and that's important and understand and know that we're just normal people. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that that's, but that's weird for me. Like I, I only teach things that I do myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I don't, there's nothing that I talk about that I don't do in my own life. If I don't do it, I won't write about it and I won't talk about it. If I do it, then I'll talk about it. But if I don't, cause that's not, that's not my story to tell. That's not my thing to teach. No, no, absolutely. No, I'm, oh, there's so much here. I'm going to send you a copy of my book. So you don't even Thank need to you. invest in Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> right. I'll get your details a little bit later. But this point, right? Because I like to keep the episode succinct and punchy, right? So I'm going to ask for a goal setting based Alison Edgar MBE nugget. Something that the whole world needs to know that we haven't touched on already. The first step to goal setting is actually set a goal because so many people don't actually set a goal. And then the second point is, why do you want to do whatever that goal is? So I think if you look at, I mean, weight loss is a great example or stopping drinking or whatever. And that's why so many people give up because they haven't really thought about why they are doing that and it's on the days for example health you know I did I didn't do any exercise till I was 50 either like literally I don't know where the first 50 years went (laughs) didn't do that much apart from bringing up my kids but I decided that I wanted to be healthier and I wanted to be healthier because I was doing a lot of speaking this is pre-pandemic and I was in London trying to go up the stairs, Doug, and I was like, cut my case. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I was wheezing away and then I couldn't perform to the maximum. And that's where I decided I'm going to change my health now. I'm going to watch what I'm eating. I'm going to cut down the alcohol. I'm going to do regular exercise because I cannot do that. And every time I feel like overindulging or not going to the gym or it's focusing on that longevity of my health and, and what I can do with it. And I think that's where people don't always set a goal and they don't know why they've done it 
And again, it's like, that's why so many people sort of fail on there because they're not, they don't know why they, they did it in the first place. That's important. And I'm with you on that one, the health health thing, you know, I've got a personal trainer twice a week and I wouldn't go to the gym ordinarily if I didn't have an appointment with him mm. to beat me up twice a week. I quite like the, I see, I like the classes and the classes I've got a certain time. So like you're there, I've got to be there at 7am and I'm there for half an hour or I'm there for 45 minutes. And if you don't turn up for your class, then you get fined or not fined, but then you're barred. Yeah. Dude, so you need to go. But again, I would rather do that specific time that's already set. But again, it comes back to Alison Edgar's big balls, doesn't it? That's your basketball. So you're going to do it. Whereas actually going to the gym can be a ping pong ball and you don't, you don't go. So it's really making those things, the bank of give back, the bank of faffing around and the bank of, of cash, really compartmentalising what you do with your time. Now, I, I was going to let you go then, but I can't now because we need to talk about the bank of faffing around. <gasps> the bank of faffing around. Well, and the other two. And the yeah, other two, well, I think succinctly, so. I mean, I mean, you know, hey, you know. I'll be succinct. got the time, you know. <laughs> You've got the time, I've got the time. So yeah. so what I would say, again, coming back to smash at the art of getting what you want, what qualifies me to write that book? Well, I pretty much always get what I want. So if you look, I've been married to Neil for 25 years. I've got two great boys. I've got a great business. I've got a great team. I've got a great family. Like I, I, I feel that I am living the poster girl life and not just through Instagram, but in general. And, and why is that? Why am I really happy? And a lot of people are not really happy. What do I do differently? And it's not a money thing. It's actually where I deposit my time. So the bank of cash is, is like work and touch wood. I'm in a job that I love. And I, I feel like I was born to be on a stage or I was born to be on the telly. I was just born to do this. And then the bank of give back. So if you look at the, the journey, I always make sure that I volunteer like with a lot of girls who haven't found a passion or purpose in educated school. A lot of like organisations that like Aster Living, for example, they do social housing and it's looking for people to help in entrepreneurship. So obviously I don't charge for that, but the feeling that I get from that, Doug, is better than money itself. It's, mm -hmm. it's so, so, so rewarding. And actually Jazz and my team, she came through the school that I work with. We gave her a job. We put her through Kickstarter. I'm putting her through her digital apprenticeship. So to me, I'm as proud of that as, as making a quid. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And then the third part is the bank of faffing around. And that's the things that really make my heart sing. So like, I've got one sister. So we like, like, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, my friend's not well. She's going through cancer and her mother-in-law had died. So again, depositing in the bank of give back, you know, I spent some time with her. But I love a wee flutter on the races, right? So at ITV, have the live racing on a Saturday. So I said, come on, we'll put on a tenner. I've got a tenner. And then my sister, who lives in Reading, so we're watching the races and it's like, come on, whatever horse it is. Like, we've got 50 pence on each way, Doug. And again, I'm not suggesting that people should gamble, but I love it. And it's just that enjoying time with your friends going out for dinner with your friends, even just going for a walk with the dog. Like I've got another friend I go for a walk with every Sunday morning and that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to cost money, but when I'm finished and had a chat and having a laugh, like my energy levels are at a peak. So that's really, you know, so many people spend a lot of time 
faffing around and enjoying themselves and not depositing in the bank of cash. And then they wonder why they've got no money or they give back. Specifically, women tend to give back, give back, give back, give back, and they're not giving back to themselves. So to me, it's 33 and a third, 33 and a third, 33 and a third. Boom, happy life. You've deposited in all your banks. and that. But being mindful of where you spend that time and also it sort of brings us back around to where we started, which is Alison Edgar's big balls. If you don't know what you're doing with your time, you cannot be mindful. And that's where, you know, really having that balance to me is happiness. That's what happiness is. And there we go, folks. We saved the nuggets to the end because they just burst forth. And we've just had a lovely one there from Alison. So I think it's time to bring the show to an end for this week. Alison, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm sure we could talk all day long, but neither one of us have that time because we've got other basketballs to deal with. We today. have. I've got to meet lunch for my team. When the team are in the office, that's my basketball. I meet their Well, lunch. there you go. You see? No, but but I think that's that, it's just that little little bits and pieces. You know, it's that little bits and pieces which makes a huge difference to your team. Yep. Huge. You know, we're having ham sandwiches today. Yeah, but all- <laughs> <laughs> whoa, <laughs> pushing the ball. Ham sandwiches. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, Alison, thank you again very much for joining me. It's been an absolute blast. We'll make sure that there's access to you on LinkedIn, your Facebook staff, link to your book, which I recommend everybody downloads a copy. It's on Kindle. It's it's modestly priced. And that's the thing about this stuff. It's all out there for you. It's available for you. You've just got to decide that you're going to have a growth mindset about things. Alison, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Doug. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to review and subscribe on Apple, Google or Spotify. I'd love to hear about your goals. You can share them with me at dougbennett.co.uk. 